What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, this is Wayne Randazzo of the WCBS Mets Radio Network, and you're listening to Baseball and BBQ. This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, baseball fan and barbecue world champion. You are listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Show with Lynn and Jeff. Let's play ball. From the studios of Baseball and BBQ on Long Island, New York, this is episode number 161 of Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for Barbecue. I'm Jeff Cohen, the man ranter. Along with Leonard Hollywood Aberman. Welcome back to Baseball and BBQ. Leonard, it's great to be back. I'm just coming off of my uh my trip to fan high. Uh, okay. too much turkey. Too much turkey. Too much can you believe it? Can you ever have too much turkey? I guess you can, but you're gonna eat that for days. Days, yes. Jeff, are you more of a when you go up, do you take like one piece of turkey and then kind of everything else the stuffing the cranberry the you know the sweet potato the mashed potatoes the all the sides or do you take a little more turkey what 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 is your thanksgiving plate look like it looks like some turkey here some stuffing here some cranberry sauce there some potatoes there, some beans uh, with almonds here. You know, whatever my mom makes, it's it's good. All right. Well, I want to get back to that in a second. Also tell you who our guests are, because we have a, should we call it a, uh, a Thanksgiving special? Sure. Now that for everybody that's hopefully done some of their holiday shopping the day after Thanksgiving. Sure. We'll tell you who we have as a guest, as our gift to you for this Thanksgiving. But first, let me just tell you guys, basketball is back. That's right. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. 
dot ag to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use promo code believe that's b l e a v to receive your rewards bet online where the game starts jeff before we get back to our thanksgiving post thanksgiving talk let's just tell everyone that we have on Brett Mandel from the BaseballBBQ.com website where anyone who listens to this show knows we love, absolutely love their products. And this is perfect timing because holiday shopping is here. And if you don't go to BaseballBBQ.com for that baseball-loving, grill-loving person in your life, you are crazy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then, of course, we have a Brian Lopinto. Lopinto. I don't know why I say it like Lopinto, but Brian is back with us after a long absence, too long, as mm-hmm. I like to say, to talk about Hinchliffe Stadium, which is almost complete and is going to be a beautiful restored stadium in Patterson, New Jersey, where the New Jersey or Jersey, what New the Jersey Jackals, Jackals of, yeah. of, the, of the Frontier League. Exactly. They're going to be playing their home games there. It's going to be an exciting place. Part of the part of the uh, the, the, the parks, the parks yeah. department. And mm-hmm. I, we talk about it all. So. Before we get to any of that, before we get to Brett, before we get to Brian, Jeff, you had a nice Thanksgiving? I did, you? Very nice. I gained a lot of weight. <laughs> I mean, because I'm still eating. Yeah, I, I know, haven't right? stopped. I just keep going back for more. Yep. It's already two days after Thanksgiving and I can't stop. <laughs> and, and Jeff, what's your dessert of choice? Uh, apple pie. Apple pie. Do you like a little ice cream on that? You like your pie a la mode? Sure, a la mode, yeah. Okay. Of course. And any pumpkin pie to go with that? No, I'm not a pumpkin pie guy. No? No. So I'm not really a pie guy at all. No. I really, I mean, the only pie I really like is like a chocolate pie. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's plenty of desserts that 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 I'll eat, so... And and by the time I get done eating the regular meal, I don't even have room for dessert. You know, you all you want to do is just un undo the button on your pants. Yep. You know, sit in front of the couch, mm-hmm. in front of the couch, in front of the TV, and just enjoy some football and just it's what a day. What a day. It is a food coma day. I know, right? But now you can now that you know Black Friday's over. Mm-hmm. And hopefully everybody's got themselves some nice bargains. Yep. And now you can just enjoy, sit back, relax, enjoy as we bring you Brett Mandel of BaseballBBQ.com. Baseball and barbecue. We are proud and happy to have back with us Brett Mandel of BaseballBBQ.com, makers of such great products of a wood cutting board that and, and tools made out of bat handles. Forks, bachelors, scrapers now, tongs. So, Brett, welcome back to Baseball and BBQ. Welcome it back, It is always Brett. terrific to be with you guys. 
But Brett, you know, we, we met, I don't know, a couple of years ago and you had a small company. We just had a couple of products and I'm looking at your website now and wow. I mean, talk about explosion. Wow. Look at all these products. So congratulations. And, and how's the growth of the company going? It's been going terrific. We've been able to do a lot of different things with our products. As you mentioned, we have our patented bat handle barbecue tools and our cutting boards. Uh, we've been able to do licensing with Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, the Players Association. And so we've been able to do some fun things with our tools. So we just uh, had our World Series uh, champion crowned, of course, heartbreak for my Phillies. But uh, we were able to do commemorative plates for the pennant winner and for the world champions. And that we're also going to do for the division winners as well. Uh, that have the major league logos and also the players association names the signatures so that's really cool uh, we've been expanding our our college collection with uh, with new colleges for uh, for christmas and for next year so that's uh, a lot of fun we've had a lot of requests and uh, and really as i always tell you guys you know it's the the community of folks who like our stuff have a lot of input so when you guys said Hey, you know, this is the way you should make a tongs instead of like this we listen and when people said uh, can you do tools and, and plates in Spanish. Like, yeah, we can. So now you can get Los Cardinales and uh, Los Mets and Los Phillies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, as, as Len, Len always mentions, your, you know, when we plug your, plug your product, your, your website, Len always says, uh, you know, talk about baseball BBQ. And it's true. It's the only tools I use on my barbecue. I love it. Love it. it. Love it. Love it. No, we're, we're super proud. Obviously, we wanted to make quality products, and and they're great. Uh, you know, it, it's always uh, nerve-wracking when people come uh, and, and, like, really, really flex the tools and whack them against things, but they hold up. They're they're really well-made. Yeah, they're they're excellent, and it, it's true what Jeff said. I, I'm looking at your website, and it's what a difference two years makes. And obviously, we've had you on a number of times, but I was looking. I think the first time we had you on was in July of 2020 was the first Sounds time. about right. Yeah. So we launched like a month before that. Yeah. It's just, again, it's at baseballbbq.com for everyone. you you got to look. I'm looking at some of the, the who you've worked with. You've got Major League Baseball. You've got Dell, Tops. Now, of course, Tops is, is you know, for anyone who is, is I know Jeff at my age, of course, Tops is the, that that was the baseball card. There was there was no other. There was no Don Russ or Fleer or anything. It was Tops. So what did, what did you actually? What have you done with Tops? We did some gifting for them. They uh, they did some custom gifts for can't remember if it was employees or um, or people that they had relationships with, but uh, they were a lot of fun to work with. Now, now, when you guys had baseball cards, did you put them in your spokes? Did you flip them? What, what did you do with your baseball cards? All the above. All the above, yeah. yes. <laughs> I did not put them in the spokes. That I didn't do. But I would scale them, and I could really throw a card for distance. And yep. then we would, of course, scale them against a wall. I remember yep. at the elementary school, the wall had the windows and a little shelf. And, you know, if you got it to stay up there, and there were leaners and, you know, all this, you made the rules. And then, of course, yeah, flipping them was another thing. Yeah, I love doing that with the baseball card, sure. Yeah, I wonder if anybody under the age of, I don't know, what, 40, 30 knows what flipping baseball cards is. <laughs> and you know, if they're not graded 10 out of 10 and not in some, uh, you know, glass case, uh, I'm not sure that the kids know what that means these days. Exactly. Right. 
Right. Exactly. So what, what's your uh, partnership with baseballism? Because I know when I go to, I, I, that's one of my favorite baseball stores to go to when I'm uh, actually out in Arizona. I go always go there. Uh, what's your relationship with them? So we did something great with them out of the Field of Dreams movie site where, uh, as you may know, the uh, baseballism has the store at the Field of Dreams movie site. And so uh, we did some products out there. If you build it, they will come engraved on our, uh, our tools and uh, they sold like crazy. Oh, nice. Yeah, we were well, lucky enough to be out at the Field of Dreams movie site this year. We were there last well, year and uh, got a chance to you know go watch the game. We saw the minor league game. Uh, There's a little festival in Dyersville. We sold some of our stuff, uh, a lot of the logo stuff for the um, the Cubs and the Reds. And then they also had a um, an autograph session with uh, you know, some Reds and, and Cubs legends. And so we we did a couple of things where we uh, we had. Fergie Jenkins and uh, Dave Concepcion and George Foster signed some plates for us. And then we uh, gave those plates to our uh, our charitable partner, uh, Pitching for Baseball and Softball, which mm-hmm. uh, raises money and collects uh, gloves and other equipment yeah. and, and gives them to uh, people in this country and other countries that, that can't necessarily afford it. Um, and so they were using them to auction those things off and raise some money for the charity. So nice. uh, it was really good. You know, It was a really nice product. And Man, Fergie Jenkins is just an awesome guy. And George Foster, you know, he looks mean, but he's a sweetheart. <laughs> Pitching for baseball, just to let you know that that was my son's bar mitzvah project. So we collected a lot That's of stuff. Fantastic. And I drove it into Pennsylvania and, and dropped it off at their warehouse. So yeah, in fact, nice. I have to go. I have to go to their warehouse next week and uh, and and drop off those those home plates. They uh, they did it as a playoff uh, auction, and I have to bring some some old baseballs and some other stuff up there as long as I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pitching for baseball and softball. What a wonderful charity! Yep, yep. Pifbs dot org, um, and anybody who checks out at baseballbbq dot com has the option to make a charitable donation, and then we match that charitable donation. So we're we're raising a couple dollars for them, and it's it is a great project. Kudos to your son. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and what about Ripken Baseball? I see that also as who you've worked with. Yeah, the Ripken folks have been really cool. Um, we we've done some things for. Um, Aberdeen and where's their their place in Tennessee? Pigeon Forge is their other place. So if you go down there and play baseball, you know you can go get a Pigeon Forge uh, Ripken experience, home plate or tools. Uh, we've been trying to do some other things with them that hopefully will come to fruition. But uh, they were they were an early adopter of uh, of someone who was a big fan of us. Uh, we we met them out at a uh, the Las Vegas sports licensing and tailgate show. Uh, turned out the guy from uh, Ripken was a Philly guy, which, of course, I love. So we talked a little Philly stuff, and then uh, we said, hey, what can we do together? When you started two years ago, obviously you were just beginning now. Is this uh, your full-time gig now? It's it's more and more full-time for me. It's definitely full-time for uh, for my partner, Mike, who you've met. I've been doing more and more. You know, Now we have a small crew of, of salespeople to manage. We have lots of deals that have to be put together. Uh, the beautiful thing about the uh, the tools, of course, you know, we we engrave them so they're endlessly customizable. If you wanted to put Jeff's grill, Lens grill, if you want to put uh, baseball and BBQ podcast, you can do that. You can put your own logo. Uh, but now that we have uh, so many of the licensing, the major league licensing, the college licensing, there are lots and lots of fun demand of, of folks who uh, who want to do some stuff with our uh, with our tools and give them as gifts. Uh, we had a terrific summer where we um, we gave gifts to the um, the Cape Cod League teams. A lot of the Cape Cod League teams used our uh, cutting boards as gifts for their host families. 
So that was great fun to do. And uh, it's always a great excuse to go up and see Cape Cod baseball and uh, go up there and hang with them. So, you know, people are really enjoying the tools, really enjoying the boards, having a lot of fun doing different things with them. And uh, it's keeping me more and more busy. And, and speaking of gifts, you know, holiday season is right around the corner. You're gearing up, uh, getting ready for many, many orders. Absolutely. In fact, if you want to make sure that Santa can tuck your baseball BBQ stuff into his sleigh, you probably want to get the order in before the end of the first week or second week in December. Uh, I know we've we've been hearing already from retailers that uh, that shipping is going to be tight this uh, this Christmas. So uh, shop early. We'll make plenty of more more things for you. <laughs> yeah, we're actually recording this a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. And what's amazing is before we came on. I was watching some TV and I saw there was a commercial for the Hess truck toy, the, the Hess, the Christmas sure. toy, right? <laughs> and there was, I think it was a Macy's commercial that also was all about early Black Friday deals and showed there were Christmas trees on it and stuff. It's two weeks before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's already, you know, the holiday season is, at least for shopping, is, has begun. Well, for, for me, you know, this was a tremendous baseball season. Of course, it was great fun to watch the playoff run. I'm a Phillies fan and lived and died with them. Um, you know, it, it feels like just the end of summer because for me, baseball season ended whatever it was last week. And uh, now suddenly it's hot stove time and it's uh, free agency. In my mind, uh, you know, it's still late September. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, in, in, not just your, your cutting boards and, and your tools, but you, you really increased your your store here. You, you have lots more clothing and hats, lots, lots of swag. Yeah, you know, I we, we first put up the swag, and I see you're wearing a hat. I'm mm -hmm. wearing the uh, the tournament hat that we wear for our old guy baseball team. When we first put up the uh, the clothing, it was basically a, a placeholder. Like we didn't have that many things. We had a you know our our fork and our spatula, and we said, well, you know, all right, maybe we could do some cutting boards. Maybe we can have some hats or shirts if people want them. Uh, people buy this stuff, and they really like it. You know, we've had a sighting in the wild where one of us saw somebody else wearing one of our things that was amazing to see. You know, not too many guys walking down the street in Philadelphia wearing a I Turn Grills On baseball BBQ shirt or a Philly tournament hat. Uh, just today, someone bought a uh, something for the Seattle Mariners and bought one of our tournament style hats, which, you know, there are, I don't know, dozens of these in the world, most of them owned by the guys on our team who play in these tournaments and, you know, a handful of other folks who think, yeah, that's a pretty cool hat. Uh, I did a podcast with this guy who's the Dad Hat Chronicles, who, uh, you know, you guys came to us because your baseball BBQ. He came to us because he really liked our hat. And oh, thought, yes. Thought it yes, was an yes. awesome hat. And then all of a sudden we started talking about the, the baseball and the BBQ. And, you know, we did a lot of fun things with him. But, yeah, it's uh, it's great. You know, our, our, our stuff, we try to make everything as high quality as possible because, you know, God knows uh, we wear it. We uh, we use it. Uh, people count on it. Uh, it's definitely not disposable stuff. It's not uh, it's not stuff that you're going to just uh, wear for a season. These hats, these shirts, hopefully folks will have them for a lifetime. Oh, definitely. And I, I've given them as gifts and people just love them. And I, I can't say, uh, you know, so much about it. It's just just terrific. And you also hooked it up with Big Rube, Big Rube and Big Diamond Rube. Dirt Rub. Right. And you sell that as well. I, I loved your podcast with Big Rube. I, I could sit and talk stories with Big Rube 
Root knows everybody. He's connected to everybody. He's, he sent me a picture the other day. My, my phone beeps. I look at it. Uh, he's hanging out with Brandon Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles and you know, showing a picture of him with the rub. So, uh, so Big Rube, as as you told his story, he told his story with you. He was the guy who who brought the Mitchell and Ness to the fashion world. Mm-hmm. So it used to be, you know, old white guys like you and me walking around with a Mickey Mantle jersey and thinking like, oh, this is really cool. This is Mickey Mantle, and he was the guy that got you know P Diddy and Beyonce and whatever to uh, to wear the Don Money jersey or the Dave Cash jersey, and you know suddenly. Mitchell and Ness has become, you know, gazillion dollar enterprise. Well, Rube did that, but his passion is food. And, you know, you guys come down to Philadelphia, I'll take you over to uh, to Rube's place and cook you up a terrific cheesesteak. He, he does great stuff. He did that uh, tremendous barbecue rub for us. We're in the middle of developing a sauce um, that hopefully will be uh, opening day next baseball season, the high heat, high heat hot sauce. We're really having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Rube, loves it uh, he's able to you know spread his word far and wide and you know yeah people come and I, I, it's always amazing you know yes people come and get the the, the tools and they get our silly uh, shirts and whatever I'm amazed at the people who will come to our site and I'll look at the order and I will say you know two bottles of rub I'm like okay you know that's great <laughs> you know yeah when he described his the way he makes a Philly cheesesteak yep it was like none other. And I just, you, you just, if you go back and listen to that episode, whatever it was, he describes how he melts the, you know, the cheese and oh, and, yeah. and he sautés those onions, but for, for so long, they're not just grilled onions. They are melting your, I mean, just uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And, and just a great, great guy. The stories that he told are just phenomenal. And, and the rub is terrific. So I mean, <laughs> what, what, do, what do you put it on? Have, uh, do you have a go-to that, that you use it with? I've put it on chicken. I mean, that's a big thing for me. I like to put things on chicken thighs. That's, yeah. you know, I put put on chicken thighs and just, I like to get the skin crisp as anything. That That's my thing. Rube, Rube does a thing with short ribs and, uh, and the, the, the rub. It's just amazing. It's, you know, melt in your mouth you, you never want to stop eating it it's a good thing that he doesn't do it for us every night because i would blow up <laughs> I, I just can't stop eating it. it's fantastic so let's talk a little bit about you you've mentioned philadelphia a few times and we know how proud you are of your city jeff and i had a great experience years ago with this podcast when we went to citizens bank park and i love those they, stories you know with bulls with uh you know of course with greg luzinski and and you know we've told that many times so i happen to root for the phillies as well guy. Um, yeah which as i know jeff jeff's not <laughs> just in, making faces i see you know i, I listen i just can't the, i can't <laughs> I, well you know what in this case so i want you, you root for Dusty Baker, you root for the Phillies because they were so nice to us. But obviously, you know, Brett, we know where where your loyalty was, of course. So when Girardi gets fired, yeah, okay, pretty early in the season, if I said to you, "Oh, they're this is they're they're now going to be in the World Series," you you would have put me in a you would have locked me up, put me in a straitjacket, right? That's absolutely. So, and, and through the whole season, of course, this was such a flawed team 
Uh, they strike out too much. Their defense is shaky. Their bullpen was lousy, and then it got better. And but the the ride that they took us on was just amazing. And you know, I, I remember back to the 1993 Phillies, the the Macho Row, Lenny Dykstra, Darren Dalton Phillies. Uh, that was a similar. I wouldn't call this necessarily lightning in a bottle because the team was supposed to be good. And obviously there's talent on that roster, but they underperformed and then they got rid of Girardi. But, you know, I think this team will go down as, uh, as the, you know, uh, didn't get us championship, but never need to buy a beer in this town ever again, because the ride was so much fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can remember being at the 1993 games and, Oh my God, what a party that was. And beating the Braves and the NLCS was amazing. And uh, until Mitch Williams gave up the uh, Joe Carter, you know, (laughs) touch them all Joe home run. Uh, That was an amazing run. And similarly with this team, uh, this year, uh, my son is now uh, 16. I got to go to the world series game. The first game in Philadelphia, the one that the Phillies won with my son, which, you know, what a phenomenal night that was. And, I'm sure that's a night that he'll never forget. World Series don't happen in Philadelphia every year. There's only been six of them in my lifetime and, you know, cherish them. And I I was thinking I I was at the the last Phillies win in 2009 against the Yankees before they they lost that game, that series in six. And then I went to the first game. So I'm I'm on a World Series winning streak. Ah, The Phillies need to get me tickets and, and put me in the seats every night. Yeah, well, I'm just hoping to get the next one in, at, at City Field. I mean, I know it was there in, in 2015, but they didn't win, so uh, they yep. won one game that that year. So, and, yeah, and, and no, look, you know, know Syndergaard won that game, and he's on your team now. He's yeah. Uh, we'll see if uh, if they bring him back. I don't need to tell you guys any any more in baseball. You know, in sports, there isn't dynasties that are built over years and years and last. Uh, you know, Phillies had a nice little run in that 2008 through uh, 2011. Or mm-hmm. seven through eleven, I guess, but they only won one World Series. Uh, don't take it for granted. You know, the Phillies may never make it back in my lifetime. You know, uh, when my son asked me, uh, you know, he saw what we were paying for the tickets for the the World Series game. He said, "You're willing to pay that for a game?" I said, "How many World Series have you ever been to?" It might be never. You know, I have somewhere behind me over there. I have a, a set of 1964 World Series tickets, which was the year the Phillies didn't make it to the World Series. The the year it snowed blue snow and they went on the 10 game losing streak when they were up six and a half with 12 to play. Don't take it for granted in Philadelphia. No, no, It'll never happen. Absolutely not. Actually, I have a, a blow up of a, the 1969 world series ticket on my yeah. wall there. $15 at a guy. That's <laughs> yeah. We, we didn't pay $15. I think we paid $15 for the beers that night at the, the world sure. series. I'm sure. And the parking must have been a mint because uh, we know uh, two, two of our friends, two of our podcast buddies, they went down to Atlanta last year and parking was $150 there. Wow. We're Center City folks. So uh, we just hopped oh, on the subway train? and went there down, which was nice. Yeah. Jam packed full of Phillies fans, deliriously happy. Yeah. So Bryce Harper. Uh, do you have a shrine to him in your house? You know what? I, I'm I'm a horrible Phillies fan because like when Pete Rose came to the Phillies when I was a kid, I always sort of thought of him as a traitor because he wasn't really a Philly. Bryce, I look at as I still give him the side eye that he's really not one of us, that Reese Hoskins is the true Philly. Uh-huh. Uh, but But certainly Bryce put on a show and... I think he gets us. He really does appreciate the Philadelphia spirit and the like. All we want you to do is want it as much as we do, and and try as hard as we would if we had the talent. And he gets that, and he's one of the guys that will 
yell at the other players in the locker room who get mad when the Phillies fans boo. Like, look, all they want you to do is give the effort. And you know, we don't care if you strike out. We care if you don't care that you struck out. If you look mm-hmm. as angry as we do that you struck out, we're okay with that. <laughs> if you walk away saying, eh, big deal, I struck out, we can't take that. Right. Well, you, you have him for, what, another uh, 50 years? What, he signed a 50-year contract? <laughs> and relatively cheap at this point. Like, the, the salaries right. that they're talking about for, uh, you know, we're looking at Trey Turner. Everyone's excited to get Trey Turner. He, he's going to get, a, you know, a billion-dollar contract for, for 100 years. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> when he signed, there was a little bit, we had a debate about whether he was worth that kind of money because, yes, he had won an MVP, but... He kind of wasn't, I guess he was constantly being compared with um, with Trout, I guess, as far as, you know, in each league, who was the best. In, right, Jeff? Would, yeah. Not that yeah. there was a comparison, but I'm just saying. And when he signed that big deal, I thought, wow, that 13 years, you know, that's with with he did not even he he did not take an opt out clause. I mean, he really committed. Yeah. You know, that's a long contract. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think you know, if the Phillies go on a run, if they have a number of years where they're uh, they're in the mix and have a shot to win it, I think it's the signing of Bryce Harper that changed all of that. Because, you know, suddenly this was a destination that other people could look at and say the Phillies are building. They're doing something here. Uh, last year, they, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, they, they finally went over the luxury tax uh, and spent real money. You know, this ownership is willing to go for it. And like, look, it's not my money. I don't know that I would pay this much money for Bryce Harper or anybody else, but uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, Middleton's putting it on the field. Yeah. So I just went back to you, uh, going back to your, your website here. I'm looking at your cutting boards and uh, you have two kinds. You have the home play kind and then the kind of like a, a jersey type of with, with, with the team name or the uh, player's name. So yeah. that's kind of unique, the, uh, the one that looks like a jersey. Well, as I said to you before, you know, when we first put cutting boards on the website, it was really just to have more stuff. Uh, we thought, oh, okay, maybe someone likes it. And we, we put up the cutting board in the shape of the home plate, and people really liked it. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't think it was you guys that suggested I think it was somebody else who, in the barbecue community who said, you need to make a bigger home plate. So we made we make the 12-inch home plate, which is sort of our standard one. Then we make a 17-inch home plate, which is the regulation size. We always joke that we need to make a 24-inch home plate and call it the Angel Hernandez home plate that uh, <laughs> looks bigger. Uh, but but then folks said you need to put a juice trough in your 17-inch plates. Now we have a, a plate with a juice trough. Okay. And then right. one of one of the guys on our old guy World Series team uh, said it would be cool if you made a, a jersey-shaped cutting board. Okay, so now we make a jersey-shaped cutting board and. People are going nuts with this. So people are putting the you know, Phillies on the front and Harper on the back or, you know, Mets on the front and Cohen on the back. Uh, really having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, we're, we're doing something with the Tampa Rays that they're doing something for. I can't remember if they're sweet buyers or season ticket holders or something like that. But they're getting Rays on the jersey and then the, the names on the back. So you know, it's a super premium gift they're giving out. And you know, people really, really enjoy it. Yeah, they're unique. Every time, I mean, we, again, Jeff said we promote on, on our show every episode. They are unique. And they're and and you know what? They're not going to break the bank. That's the other thing. They make great gifts. They're unique. And you can get them for someone, specialize it with the engraving, 
and you're not going to break the bank. Sure. You know, if somebody wants a tool or a board, it, it's it's relatively inexpensive. Or, of course, if you want to have the top to bottom MVP set customized with your logo or whatever, yeah, you could spend a couple bucks if you want. Right. Uh, but I, I think, you know, as, as you said, it's quality stuff. Right. Uh, we, we make it to last a lifetime. It's not just like something that you're going to you know, have in your uh, trunk for a tailgate and uh, and just have a goof off item. This is stuff that, that some people say to us, they have two sets. They have the set that they hang that is display, and then they have the set that they use because they love it so much that they want to keep one set pristine and gorgeous and mm-hmm. the other one have a lot of fun using. Yeah, makes great yeah, conversation look, pieces too. Yeah. They have some cheap tools in the garage, you sure. know, a cheap spatula, cheap set of tongs, which... You know, maybe I use to 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 sift through charcoal with. I mean, because they're crap. You know, and and so you you get what you pay for. And yours are so well made. And 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 just how many people, Jeff? Every time you use yours with the baseball handle, what what is that? And 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 Jeff, he's not kidding. I've been to his house for numerous barbecues, and that those are his tools of choice. So absolutely. He, We've told the story before about how they how they started. You know, one of the other guys on our team, his dad took a, a broken grill tool and a cracked bat and put them together. You know, you hold a baseball bat in your hand, you can't grab it wrong, no matter how you pick it up, it feels perfect in your hand. That's the genesis of the whole company. Everything from the silly hats and the cutting boards and everything started because this just seemed like a really nice, ergonomic, perfect idea. Why isn't anybody else doing it? We looked at it and said, yeah, we can do this. So we did. The only thing I suggest, though, you know, in yep. baseball, when you when you're when you're in little league or whatever, what do they tell you? Choke up on the bat, right? <laughs> Don't choke up on the spatula handle. You will burn yourself. Keep there your you go. Up. No choking up on the baseball bat handle. Well, who chokes up anymore? Everyone's swinging for the fences. <laughs> Everyone's looking for exit velo and launch angle. You know, no nobody's bunting their way off the island with our tools. so Fred, uh, you know we thank you for your time tell us you have any social media and obviously go ahead promote your website because it's just fantastic sure yeah we're all over the social medias uh, or twitter at at baseball bbq we're on instagram and facebook but i have no idea what those the Uh, things are because that's not what i do i do the twittering um the website is www.baseballbbq.com you can check out all the tools, all the hats. You can read the story in our little scorebook blog that uh, us old guys won our World Series. Oh, we are now the back-to-back 40-plus men's senior baseball league world champs. Ah, um, congratulations. A nice. trip out in, uh, in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, all just kids jumping up and down on the mound after the game. That was a lot of fun. So, um so it's good stuff, and you know whether you're a Mets fan, a Phillies fan, or just uh, a baseball fan, a Mississippi State fan, we can do some fun things for you. If you want to write "I love you, Dad" on the tools or uh, go the distance, we can do anything custom. We're having a blast. Get in touch with us. You know, Jeff and Len can tell you uh, they made suggestions, and you know now some of our products reflect their suggestions. Other uh-huh. people uh, came up with the idea of the juice trough uh, for our uh, for our cutting board. Uh, one of our Fellow ball players came up with the idea of the of the jersey board. You got something that sounds like fun. We'll do it. We're nimble enough to say, you know, all right, let's give it a try. All right, yeah. and don't forget the uh, you know holiday season's right around. Get your loaders in early. Absolutely. Yeah, 
baseball, you, as anyone would know, you and Mike know that baseball and BBQ are the perfect combination. And you, it, baseballbbq.com, go there, get your gifts, and get something for yourself at the same time. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Brett. We really appreciate you coming on. Ben, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Right. Thank you, Brett. And thank you, Brett, for joining us. Too bad we couldn't have Mike on, his partner there. But Brett was a, a really great interview. Mike, if you're listening, we missed you. Yeah, we definitely did. And guys, the Phillies had a great run. They had a great run. They had a better run than our Mets. Uh, they certainly did. It didn't matter. You know, Jeff, the Mets won 102 games, got knocked out in the first mm-hmm. round. The Phillies won, what, 87? Yeah. And barely got into the playoffs and make it to the World Series. I don't even have to ask you which one you would have taken. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff, our five-year anniversary is coming up. Really? Yeah. What I, I don't know what you know what the appropriate gift is for five years, but I'm going to tell you that a, a tool, a cutting board, or any of the tools from BaseballBBQ.com would make an appropriate gift no matter what year it is. It could be your 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's they, they are just great. They are. Anyone thinking about getting gifts? I said it before. I'll say it again. Also, you have the Pandemic Baseball Book Club if you're looking for gifts. Take a look at, at that site, the Pandemic Baseball Book Club, and see if you find something on there. And we have a lot of their authors from the Pandemic Baseball Book Club. Get a book. Yeah. And if you have any comments that you want to share with us, you can give us a call. Len, what's the phone number? You want me to give my number? Jeff, that's your job. Come on. It's 516-855-8214. That's it. You can email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. You can leave a message on our Facebook page at it's baseball and BBQ. We have a Twitter tweet, 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 tweet at, ba- at baseball and BBQ. Tweet, 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 tweet. Instagram baseball and barbecue. And barbecue is all spelled out. Website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe. And and also, if you if you find that little birdie to be annoying, tell us about it because that was that was too much tweets. Jeff, let let me just do. Hold on, let let me let me call up. All right, beep 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 beep. Yeah, hello, baseball and barbecue. Yeah, I'm a little ticked off. Yeah, wh- how come Shohei Otani didn't win the MVP and that Judge guy did? I want you guys to talk about that. Sounded like an angry caller, Jeff. Yep. Do you have a comment? No, I don't. Uh, I do want no to comment. You, no comment. <laughs> but I want to comment about Hinchcliffe Stadium. You know, it's coming back, and our next guest knows all about it. Who's that? That's Brian Lopinto. Hinchcliffe Stadium is located in Patterson, New Jersey. It is one of only two Negro League stadiums still standing. The other one is Rick Woodfield in Alabama. First opened in 1932. It was the home to the New York Black Yankees and the New York Cubans. But it was not just used for baseball. Home to many events such as college, pro, and high school football, motorcycle racing, boxing, 
entertainment, which includes concerts, circuses, and even rodeos. Closed in 1997 and years of neglect, it was feared that the stadium would be torn down. However, with years of effort from our guest, Hinchcliffe Stadium has a new life and will open again in the spring of 2023. We first spoke to him in September 2020, and he is back to talk about the progress of Hinchcliffe Stadium. Welcome back to Baseball and BBQ, Brian Lopinto. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you, Jeff? How are you, Len? Doing okay? Doing great. Now that you're here with us, yeah. Mr. Brian. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. I think this is my third visit here. So, yeah. You know, yeah, well, like, that's not enough. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll, you know, just like Saturday Night Live, you know, got to get to the Five Timers Club. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, tell us, Hinchcliffe Stadium is going to reopen, I guess, in in the spring. Yeah. How's it going? How's it? Tell us the I progress mean, since the last time we spoke to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the men and women that are working at the stadium, they're working very diligently. You know, the actual folks that are doing the the rehabilitation work, they're there every day, Monday through Friday, and uh, the work's coming along quite nicely. Ryan, we had the honor of meeting you for the first time after speaking at the actual stadium when you were still unsure of what was going to happen to this place. Right. And we got there. The parks department had taken over at that point, but the stadium, total disarray, graffiti, broken glass everywhere, weeds. And I and I tell people, you, you took us inside mm-hmm. and I knew of the history of the stadium, having done a ton of research before, having spoken to you. And I say it's sort of like the Native American in that commercial for the pollution. For those mm-hmm. who are old enough to remember, there was a commercial for those not old enough to remember, there was a commercial with a Native American uh, sitting atop a horse and basically is you see him in the woods, comes to the edge, looks out the highway. There's tons of, of garbage and, you know, pollution all over the place, uh, litter. And the Native American, a tear comes out of his eye. And I told you at the time, I felt as I'm standing there. I felt like a tear was going to come out of my eye. Mm -hmm. Like what? I never, of course, saw this beautiful stadium when it was one of the most beautiful places. Mm -hmm. But I I knew what went on there. And it just it just was so sad. and, And I can only imagine you being from Patterson and knowing about it, what it must have been like. So. What is the feeling that you had then and the feeling that you have now as the stadium is about to be reopened? Well, I guess the feeling then when when I gave you the little tour of the stadium was, you know, I've, I kind of had been used to the neglect at that point. So, you know, after a while, you feel as though maybe it will never happen, but uh, you always kind of keep that hope uh, going. And and yeah, it's taken way too long for it to, to materialize, but but now, you know, I look at it and look, it's definitely a surreal experience. But at the same time, you know, we, that's, this is what we had always hoped for, was that the stadium would would have a, a second life or a third life in this case. Because in 1934, Hinchliffe Stadium was described as the most beautiful park in the East. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, if you think about uh, just the, the, the simple construct of the ballpark with its Art Deco quality, it really is. You know, just a very beautifully laid out ballpark. And I should mention it, it was laid out by the Olmsted brothers. So there's a rich history there that connects back to Frederick Law Olmsted through his sons. 
so there's another piece of that history that's also very important to Hinchcliffe Stadium. But yeah, I mean, it, again, it's it's that Art Deco look that really kind of makes it very attractive. But uh, of course, the most important part is really uh, the play of of the over 20 Hall of Famers that played at Hinchcliffe Stadium. Yeah, and some of them include Oscar Charleston, Satchel, Satchel Page, Larry Doby, of course. Many, Monty many Irvin, Monty mm-hmm. Irvin, and Cool Papa Bell, right? All the, all those great, great players sure. played played there, and yeah. uh, it's great to see it's coming back to life. And if you want to see pictures of the construction progress, they do have a, a Twitter page, Hinchcliffe Stadium at Hinchcliffe S T A D, and you can see the progress photos. I see uh, they they post it uh, every couple of days. Yeah, I just want to just a one quick clarification though, uh, when it comes to Satchel Page. Uh, he actually never pitched at Hinchliffe Stadium during the period of significance. He was there in 1966, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, which was kind of like the almost the equivalent of an old timers day game. But uh-huh. uh, some people do mention that he played there. I don't consider it that fact, but it was more just for clarity's sake, though. And you know where I read that? Where's that? In a New York Post last Sunday where, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we set this up a couple of weeks ago for you mm-hmm. to come on the show. I had no idea this article was coming out. Because a couple of days ago, well, I can tell you, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved all your quotes in it, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, zero. <laughs> Maybe they that, would have got the Satchel Page quote correct. <laughs> exactly. That's what it said. Satchel Page uh, played there. So yeah. that's well, where I got did, that information. Technically, right. He, I mean, he played at something. He he was in a game. Yeah, but, there, I mean, but... Babe Ruth was also there <laughs> in attendance. I mean, does that count? You know, so I mean, for, for those of us that really kind of focus on the baseball history, and if someone were to say the Satchel Page play there, well, he didn't play there during the period of significance. So. Right. Got uh, but it you. doesn't matter because you have so many other great Hall of Famers that played there. So, oh, Josh yeah. Gibson, of course. Yeah, Brian, it's unbelievable how involved you've been with this. And and I've I've gotten the chance to hear you on other podcasts and, and hearing you speak about the stadium. It's just it's a beautiful thing to hear you talk about it. But it's it's so funny how many people know you, because just today. I was doing some research and uh, of course the, and, and I want to talk about this is that the New Jersey Jackals will be playing their home games at the stadium next year. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted the Jackals and I spoke to someone as I'm talking to them. I said, and do you know Brian Lapinto? And he said to me, yes, I know Brian very well. As a matter of fact, I owe him an email. Oh, Reed Keller. he's a great guy. He's the voice of the Jackals. And I got to tell you, he's got a great career in baseball because he's such an excellent broadcaster. Um, you know, love to stay in with, see him stay with the Jackals, but uh, I'm sure we're going to see him uh, someday in a very notable position. Yeah. So the New Jersey Jackals are an independent team that's mm-hmm. now going to be leasing at Hinchcliffe Stadium. They've been in, in Jersey for 25 years. Correct. At, at, in Montclair, at where Yogi Bear Stadium is. And now they're moving to Hinchcliffe Stadium. And there's some uh, significance behind that. Could you explain that? Well, I think there's a lot of significance because the New Jersey Jackals, their owner, Mr. Al Dorso, is originally from Patterson. So there's something very special to, to see and hear that someone like Mr. Dorso, who is from Patterson, had now has that opportunity to bring a professional baseball club to the town that he was born and raised in. So uh, it speaks volumes of about his commitment, uh, not only to Patterson and to the Jackals, but to baseball as a whole, because he also owns the Sussex County Miners, a very successful businessman in his own right. And certainly we're grateful for, for just that desire, you know, um, 
to have that opportunity. I, I love Yogi Berra Stadium. I still do. Hate to see the Jackals go, but if they're going to go somewhere, I'm glad at Tinchel Stadium. Yeah. Did, did, did you ever, uh, when, we, when we spoke, you showed us around, you showed us where home plate was at the original Inchcliffe Stadium. I know one of your goals was to have that home plate place where it originally was. Do you know if that's going to be the case? Yeah, that's a great question. That's that's something I'm still trying to find out myself. I mean, just from a professional baseball standpoint, the most logical place is to put it where professional baseball was played. Back in 1963, unfortunately, the Patterson Public Schools took charge of the stadium and reconfigured the diamond. But that put left field at about 500 feet and right field at just about maybe just under 200. Not really conducive for, for any level of baseball. But returning it to where the Negro Leagues played, uh, it makes it very similar to the polo grounds. And the feeling really is if it's good for good enough for over 20 Hall of Famers, if the polo grounds was good enough for Willie Mays and, and Monty Irvin, and of course, Monty Irvin played at Hinchliffe, then it's got to be good for the, the players of the Frontier League or at the high school level. So I'm hopeful that they'll make the right decision. But of course, the Frontier League would have to be acceptant of, of, the, uh, of the dimensions as well. But logistically and logically, it makes sense to return it uh, to the Negro Leagues diamond. Yeah. Do, do you know the dimensions of the stadium? Has that been made well, public? Well, I, I would tell you what it was during the Negro Leagues days. You're talking, you know, kind of equidistant down the line, about 260, give or take. Uh, and of course, a very deep center field. Definitely, I don't know that I have the numbers. because there, there used to be a wall that was there during the Negro Leagues time. Now there isn't. But it's definitely a very deep center field, similar to the polo grounds. Now, Lou, Lou Costello of Abbott and Costello is from Patterson, right? That's correct. And Central High School. So it would be very apropos to have someone do a who's on first routine at the stadium. And Jeff and I would, of course, volunteer because we once did that. <laughs> of course. I mean, for a, a, a summer camp, a Cubs yeah. summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. There is a statue of him outside the stadium, isn't there? Well, there's a, there's a statue of Lou Costello not too far from the stadium right? Uh, in, in the downtown, which okay. was actually put up in, I think, 1992. And they actually redid that Costello Park recently. So, And there's also a Larry Doby statue on the other side of town at uh, Larry Doby Field. So there's, there's definitely the, the nice baseball representation of, of the statuary in town. So tell us about the whole project, not just the stadium. There's mm-hmm. going to be a restaurant. There's going to be a museum. There's going to be housing. Tell us about the whole project and how it came together. Well, I mean, the whole project, if, if you look at it, you know, some people say, well, it's such a big price tag for, for the stadium. And the, the fact remains that there are three new buildings being built as part of this project. So when you look at the overall project, the high price, a lot of that has to do with the new the new construction. Uh, and and the way it came about, it was Patterson's turn for tax credits. So these these are tax credits that are made being made available, and uh, of course it's in, within the boundaries of the national park. So it's going to be the first sporting venue within the boundaries of a national park, at least when it becomes active again. So uh, should certainly some exciting times in the area. Is it going to be done on time, Brian? Because it has to be. Apparently, it has to be done by the end of 2023, and now it has to be done sooner because the the jackals have to get in there. Right. So based on those tax credits, uh, the legalities is that it has to be done by the end of 2023. But my understanding is that the plan had always been to have it done uh, right. They were, they were hoping initially this current fall, but again, 
there's always going to be some delays, materials and things of that nature. Now we're getting into the winter months, but remember the Jackals, are, they're going to start playing in May. So, so I definitely foresee that the stadium will be ready by Jackals opening day, which is May 20th on a Saturday. Did, did I read that the capacity is now a few seats? Did they reduce the capacity? Sure. So the capacity will be about 7,500 seats. And it was 10,000, but there's a very good reason for that. There needs to be ADA compliance for the Americans with Disabilities Act. So what you're doing is, you're yes, you're taking away seats, but you are providing seats uh, for you know those that, that need wheelchairs. So, mm-hmm. so, and then of course that would count as part of the attendance if that were to be you know a part of the uh, the count there. But you know you do have to make certain accommodations. And and certainly we've always welcomed that, you know, sure, it would have been nice to have a 10,000 seat facility, but, you know, 7,500, it's a lot more manageable. Rarely are you, do you get a sellout, you know, at any level of minor league baseball, unless it's maybe the championship game out in Las Vegas. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's still a very good number, you know, for Frontier League baseball and and for concerts and for any other activities you might have. Were you at the, when they put the shovel in the ground, I know Larry Doby Jr. was there. Uh, Will, I believe Willie Randolph was there. I forget. Right. I read. Uh, C.C. Other... Sabathia was there. Yeah. Were you there so, for that? So I was there. I wasn't invited, but uh, I made sure to <laughs> crash the party. So, uh, yeah. So I, luckily, I have a lot of great allies out there that are uh, open enough to share with me when there might be uh, these type of events. And, uh, yeah, I made sure to to make my presence known for sure. Brian, it seems sometimes whoever the powers that be are almost fighting against the volunteers who want to make it happen, you know, like you just said, you weren't invited. I mean, right. Are you, I, don't, I don't I don't need to be invited. <laughs> right. I understand. But have they been cooperative with your committee? I would probably the answer is no, actually not. Since you asked me a direct question, I have to give a direct answer. But, That's uh, the way you know, people. you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, our feeling is that politicians come and go and uh, advocates for historic sites. They're here for the long term and I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm going to make an investment and, and become a New Jersey Jackal season ticket holder uh, because I feel it's the right thing to do. It's something that I've always wanted to, to, to be a part of as far as having a professional team at Hinchliffe Stadium. And this will be the first time there's professional baseball at Hinchliffe Stadium since 1950. So it's a pretty uh, seminal moment and uh, looking forward to opening day. Could you tell us what's going to be in the museum? Yeah, over there. I, I wish I could tell you another thing in which I have been, you know, kind of banned from when I think it's kind of <laughs> hilarious, quite frankly. But yeah, at the end of the day, there's supposed to be interpretive space there. Uh, my understanding is that there has been some stalls on that. What it will look like at this juncture, I have no idea. I know that when the National Park Service had accepted Hinchliffe Stadium within the boundaries, thanks to Congressman Pascrell, uh, who made it an act of Congress that they accept it. The, the verbiage was that the National Park Service, they were going to be responsible for interpretation. So it's a little unclear to me. I don't think they're going to be running that interpretive space if it ever gets gets launched and off the ground. But uh, at the end of the day, we'll see. I have no idea what that's going to look like at this juncture. Yeah, the National Park Service is actually having a building built for them there. Well, not necessarily at the stadium. If the Park Service has something on their own, it'll be on the other side of the falls. Okay. Uh, Because it's a a unique set of circumstances in which Hinchliffe Stadium is owned by the Patterson Public Schools. And there's a building being built there where there's going to be, whether you want to call it restaurant space or event space on the second floor. And this idea, this supposed interpretive space. So 
you know, don't know where that's going to be. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily mean it's part of the park services property. It is just within the boundary of the park. So it is in the boundary, but it's not it's not paid for by the park service. Well, I recommend that anybody that goes to the stadium, let's say to watch a Jackals game, get there early because while we were waiting for you to arrive, we walked around and it's incredible with the falls, the view. It's it's really amazing with the stadium there and you, you know with the park service they were giving tours. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a really great experience. Absolutely. I mean, remember the national park service, they've been in town since about 2009 and it's been, you know, again, the transfers of properties uh, from the city to the park service that the best thing that's happened to the city of Patterson in the last 60 years is the national park service coming into town. And, and at this juncture about maybe a little more than 300,000 people visit the great falls on a yearly basis. And each year that number climbs. So there's more and more visitors. People love the National Park Service. The National Park Service brand is rather big and important. So to think that you could watch a ball game in a national park, there's something very special about that. So yeah, to your point, definitely get down there, get down there early. There's a, there's a great restaurant called ENV. If you like really good Italian food, there's a Mexico bar and grill with some great Mexican food nearby. Uh, you know, just make a day of it because when you go to the national park, you tend to do that. And now you have something to do. And that's, that's Hinchcliffe stadium. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now, now Brian, it's not just baseball is going to be at, at Hinchcliffe stadium, right? It's going to be a venue for concerts and other events, right? Well, that's the hope. I mean, they really should uh, make, make great use of, of the stadium. It, it needs to generate revenue because that revenue then needs to go back into the upkeep of the facility. So uh, ideally, sure, just like any other stadium, you would probably have concerts. Uh, I know that there's interest in having professional soccer there, uh, which would be great. You know, certainly I believe that you should not turn your back on the winter months. As we get into a colder weather, why not put in, you know, a temporary ice skating rink where, you know, families can come, you know, and, and rent skates and just kind of have a nice day out. Maybe have some, you know, adult beverages uh, during the winter that people like kind of let, you know, make it very welcoming and inviting. I think, you know, there's 365 days in a year. There's no reason why that stadium can't be at least, you know, somewhat packed with, with programming. Because again, it's the revenue generating events that will allow you to keep the stadium going for, for years to come. Mm-hmm. I, I try to look beyond the groundbreaking, beyond the ribbon cutting. Those events are inconsequential. They, they have no value. It's what happens after the ribbon cutting. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're going to get the the stadium will be filled up, you know, first couple of Jackals game and then. And we'll we'll see what how, how it goes. Yeah, you exactly. need other other events in there. Will the will the Patterson schools be using it? Or Absolutely. That well, they will be. You know, unfortunately, the Patterson Public Schools do own Hinchcliffe Stadium. They've owned it since 1963 to the present day. Frankly, they should be really focused on one thing: educating students. You know, I think the city should own the stadium because they have you know they touch upon historic preservation, economic development, community development. But regardless, uh, they, 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 didn't, they did not incorporate the abandoned properties ordinance. But regardless, even if the city owned it, the, schools, the school kids should be able to play there. I'm hopeful that it's going to be used for both um, Eastside and Kennedy baseball, Eastside and Kennedy football, and Eastside and Kennedy soccer. Uh, there will be a track there. There should not be a track because the track does not meet the specifications and the requirements for high school yeah. competition. So, But yeah, I, it's, it's still going to be... Um, 
hopefully, you know, pretty well used by by everybody. Yeah, you just mentioned track. I do see the picture they they're putting in the uh, the, the track and field events, long jump and the pole vault. Man. Yeah, but the, I mean, I don't think they they can't even do it there because the state already said that they will not sanction any races there. They would have had to have extended the stadium beyond over over the cliff, <laughs> uh, if you will, and can't reliever it in order to make it appropriate for for athletic competition. So I don't know who's going to use the track because. You know, even if you use it for practice, uh, track is a very muscle memory sport and, and your body really needs to know the turns. So that might not might actually be a hindrance, but who knows? Maybe it'll be for the senior housing people. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that, that, then that doesn't make any sense putting it putting it in there. Can't I've, I've been trying to say that for the longest time, but, <laughs> you know, uh, Patterson loves to fall on deaf ears. That would have made sense. There is going to be a senior housing project, so that, that would make sense instead of having to walk in a shopping mall. You could just walk around the track. Yeah, but I, I'm not certain that they did it for that reason. You know, <laughs> I, I don't see it being. No, I'm sure they didn't. I don't see yeah. them using the pole vault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. Exactly. You know, in fact, you want to have the seniors that are into the skydiving and all that kind of stuff living next door because there are lighting fixtures right outside their bedroom. So <laughs> now, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. You said the, the school is going to be using it for baseball, football, and whatnot. And soccer, yeah. Yeah. You would think, you would hope that the coaches there would impart some of the history of that stadium for those kids to know it. Yeah, and I th- especially the those that are coaching baseball. And I think, you know, I know I had spoken to to one of the coaches, and, and they were all in. They were at the Larry Doby Day events. Uh, on July 5th, which actually I was invited to, believe it or not. Uh, but I was invited by Larry Doby Jr. and Benji Wemberley. And, and I met the Eastside High School baseball coach and such a great guy, really someone that really understood the importance of, of, of not only Hinchliffe Stadium, but specifically Larry Doby because of that connection. And he shares that with the ball players. So uh, I'm sure the other you know coaches will too, because it's, it's definitely, definitely a very important teaching moment. Because what you're going to share with the kids is now you're playing on the same field as these Hall of Famers. And I think that's something that can serve as inspiration. So to going back to your earlier question, that's a large part also why it's important to, re- to return the Negro League's diamond uh, to its uh, same configuration. Because now you're going to share with the kids, you're standing in the same place that Larry Doby did. And that could really yeah. do something for a kid. Yeah. It's very inspirational. But it's also, again, conducive for a better baseball dimensions. I actually tried to get Jackal tickets today. Oh. And yeah, I figured, you know, why not? I, I want to be at the, I want to be at Hinchliffe at a game. Good. But they're not for sale yet. Yep. You know, they, remember, they still have to work through a lot of things. You know, it's still, it's the off season, right? Frontier League, they just recently announced the schedule not too long ago. So, you know, they do a great job over there. And, you know, I can't wait for it to see what some of their promotions are going to be at Hinchliffe Stadium. And, yeah, you, don't worry. Well, we're going to get you there, and I'll go with you. <laughs> Good. I was thinking the seating plan. I wonder if that's that's probably not even done yet. Yeah, I think I think they have to work through all that, right? Because you have to think about also the other things, right? They they need they need to have the configuration for their press box, right? Everything that the, all the behind the scenes things that people don't realize that go on at a baseball game, they have to look at that stuff first, and then I'm sure they're going to find a, a great plan. Uh, and, and, and there really isn't going to be a, a bad view in that house. So, well, so Brian, I don't want to be, uh, what, what do you call, Debbie Downer, okay. whatever, but do you think it will be ready for the Jackals to open their season in May? I do. 
Yeah. Okay. I really do. I mean, right. believe me, I would tell you if I didn't feel otherwise, but you know, okay. I've made a number of visits to the stadium, take a look at the, you know, how things are going and things are going rather well, you know? Okay, um, good. I, I, you know, again, I think the one thing that would stand in the way would be what does winter look like? And that's with any other project. So remember like what the Jackals are doing very smart. And this is what every team at every level of professional sports have done is that they start the season on the road because you always want to give it some extra time and even to just kind of have it go through some, you know, some practices and things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, will it be ready by May 20th? I would say almost absolutely. You never can be 100% sure, but I'm 99.9% sure. Yeah, I mean, last year when they opened the UBS Arena here on Long Island, the Islanders had to spend two months on the roof before getting a home game. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I mean, but you do that because you never know what can go wrong with a a major construction. I was at the first game at at UBS and great facility. You know, I had to go there for the first game Uh because... I got to be a part of history. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm looking at the front Frontier League website now. I didn't realize there's 16 teams in this league. Yeah, and which is more than the Atlantic League. And I, you know, we let Len and I more familiar with the Atlantic League sure, being here in uh, Long Island and, mm-hmm. and and Staten Island. But wow, they're, they're really. I mean, it's concentrated. I would think just in New York, Northeast, but no, it goes out to even as far as Illinois. Yeah, they have some teams in the Chicago land area. So and, and, and um, Canada. Yeah. And yeah, sure. And a lot of those Canadian teams were, were kind of holdovers from the, from the old Can-Am League. Mm-hmm. But I think that really also shows, you know, how valuable the Frontier League is. It's a really top flight partner ball league, if you will, because they are a partner league with Major League Baseball, not affiliated, a little different for those that are not aware. Mm-hmm. But still, the Frontier League is is a very well-respected league. And the fact that they're going to be in Hinchliffe and they've welcomed it with open arms, I think it's really exciting. How would you think the level of play is it? Double A, triple A? Uh, yeah, it depends. You- I mean, you know, I, you know, I've naturally I've gone to some games last year and, you know, uh, on the video board, you know, they would say if the guy had triple A experience, some guys had, you know, a cup of coffee with the major league at the major league level, mm-hmm. some single A. So you do have a variety of, of skill sets at this level, but certainly good quality ball. And, uh, you know, I know that the Jackals are going to try to put a great team on the field. Yeah. So they're not a minor league team for, any of the major league teams they're just correct right? but they are they are associated with major league baseball yes exactly they're a partner league just as the atlantic league is right i, I think what they do is oh you know what we're going to experiment some stuff here we'll try it in the frontier league you know see how <laughs> exactly. it goes there and uh, we're going to make yeah. the bases five feet yeah exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah they, i mean they, they do they do uh things like that the pitch clock <laughs> um, but I, I think they also test out other technologies various cameras and and different ways of of tracking you know player productivity so i think it's it's great because major league baseball will then help these leagues and then these leagues could kind of be around for some time and there's also a need for the players to to kind of have a place where they could try to get back to affiliated ball so you never know who you might see coming through patterson someday yeah that's beautiful you must be overjoyed that this is happening i mean you know we've known you a couple of years and i know this has been a, a passion of yours yeah. for, for longer than that Yes. So when did you first get involved with trying to, to re- resurrect a inch of stadium? Could you remind us of that? Yes. So it goes back some time ago. Um, it started in 1997. And that's when I read an article. Yeah. Well, that's when the article came out that they were going to, quote unquote, condemn the stadium, meaning they weren't going to use it anymore. And when I read condemned, the next word that came to mind was demolition. Yeah. So then I contacted the Baseball Hall of Fame and they wrote back and 
They said that Hinchcliffe Stadium was represented in their library's archives. That's all I needed to do, you know, do my own independent research, understand and speak, you know, knowledgeably and articulately about why this place is important. And then formed the Friends of Hinchcliffe Stadium with uh, two colleagues of mine, Dr. Flavia Lai and Chris Koch. And uh, that was in 2002. We formed formally, but that was as early as it started. It was 97 and then 2002. And then here we are. And and I would think that a friend of the show, Bob Kendrick, is, is really behind this project. Absolutely. In fact, Bob and I, we were on with New Jersey City University. Goodness, it was actually probably a year and a half ago. In fact, it was a sad day. It was a day that the gentleman who played Jackie Robinson, uh, Chadwick Boseman, he passed away that same right. day we did the show. So oh, wow. uh, I remember that uh, sadly and vividly. But yeah, we were on together. Uh, and he had always been a, a big supporter of Hinchcliffe Stadium and 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 certainly Larry Doby. In fact, CBS recently did a piece on Larry Doby and went out to the Kansas City Museum to talk to, to Mr. Kendrick. So, yeah, he's definitely very supportive of of anything that that's going on with Hinchcliffe Stadium and, of course, Negro Leagues as a whole. Yeah, he's been out to the stadium, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. He was there. In fact, that was something I was invited to was when it became a National Historic Landmark. And he and I both spoke that day. And thankfully, he was able to come out from Kansas City. It was a very cold day, but uh, he was definitely full of smiles for sure. Brian, you get called a lot. Called a lot of things a lot, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, depends, you know, it depends on what people want. But yeah. People have reached out to me for a number of different reasons in regard to uh, the stadium, whether it's interviews or whether it's information or just wanting to chat or wanting to be on a on a podcast. <laughs> and you never get tired of talking about it, right? Well, I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's a great history, you know, and and to me, I think speaking about Hinchcliffe Stadium is really a way of speaking about Larry Doby, because to me, he's uh He's the hero that personifies Hinchcliffe Stadium. And that's on one side of the Great Falls, right? And then the other side, you have Alexander Hamilton, the other hero that people can talk about. So there's a lot of great history right there in that quadrant of the Great Falls and Hinchcliffe Stadium. So, you know, it's a, it's a fun subject matter to talk about because it's baseball, really, at the end of the day, um, because that's what marked the time. At the end of the day, too, there's other things like auto racing, which is important to talk about the football history, you know, the entertainment events. Duke Ellington performed one of the last concerts of his life there. So, so it's a great history that still people don't really know enough about, but uh, hopefully people will want to learn about it. You know, I, I know the show that they could do at the uh, at at Hinchliffe. Mm-hmm. They could uh, do a traveling, a touring show of Hamilton. You know what? It's funny you say that because I actually felt that that should be the case. In fact, I, on our Friends of Hinchcliffe Stadium uh, Facebook page, we actually tagged Lin-Manuel with that because the first ever event at Hinchcliffe Stadium wasn't even a sporting event. It was a theatrical performance on the life of George Washington because George Washington and Alexander Hamilton were on the other side, you know, the river. And that's how they discovered, you know, this idea of hydroelectric power for America's first plant industrialized city, of course. George Washington stayed at nearby at the Die Mansion. So there's a rich history to George Washington there. And I thought, well, if you do a theatrical performance for George, why not Hamilton? But I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon, but that would be great. And I think it's a great idea. I don't think you're going to have auto racing there again, are you? You know, I, I think the only way you can have auto racing or motorcycle racing, first off, remember they were, they were midget cars. So they were, they're not what we think of today in the modern day. Um, they're not even Formula One. I mean, Formula One's like a lot longer of a car. I think the only way you do that is if you put, 
you know, kind of like the flooring that you might have for a concert. And then on top of that, put another flooring. But that's mm-hmm. very costly. Now, if a promoter wants to do that and they want to spend the money, you know, hopefully they can do that. But it's definitely going to be quite a bit of cost. Mm-hmm. But it could also be something that could be a, a revenue generator. So, sure. you know, hey, you know, if uh, Tony Stewart wants to uh, <laughs> come out and do something, that'd be great. Yeah, I can see I can see concerts going there. Yeah, I mean, we have a an outdoor concert venue near near here in Jones Beach. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's like ten thousand seats or something. Yeah. But you know, they have the circuit. You have the 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 one in in Jersey down by the Garden State Parkway, and you know, yeah. stop by Hitchco Stadium and do a concert there. So that that be revenue generating as well. Oh, absolutely. I think I think musical events. You know, it's something that you could easily do at almost any venue, and there's no reason why Hinchcliffe Stadium could not host a concert. You know, easily. And, and and you would increase the capacity, right? Because the seating bowl right. if you will, is seven thousand five hundred. But you would put people on the field; mm-hmm. and that'll increase it. Or even music festivals, where it's like a three day event, right? So, I mean, I think I think the opportunities are almost endless. I think you just have to be creative and and be able to want to actually get these things done. Brian, is uh, you are true historian on the you welcome on the uh, the area, the stadium. Is there anything that has uh, that you found in your research since the last time we spoke that is new and and you found interesting? Well, I think I think one of the it's it's more about like the pre-stadium era. For example, um, there was talk about Hinchliffe, or and I shouldn't say Hinchliffe, a stadium being built in Patterson. And, and in my research, there was a lot of like lamenting the fact that other cities similar size to Patterson or a little bigger had had these rather big stadiums. And why wasn't Patterson having a stadium? And I think they were talking about a stadium as early as 1919 and it took till 1932. So the one thing I learned is like, well, I guess there's always been a history of things taking way too long in Patterson, but um, one of the original ideas for a stadium was about a 20,000 seat facility. And it was actually scaled back to a little bit less because by the time the stadium opened, you're talking about the, the stock market crash had occurred. So I think they scaled it back for that reason. It was going to be in a different location as well. But someone, I believe, working for the city of Patterson brought it to the to Mayor Hinchliffe's attention. Why not this area by the falls? And uh, I think that that is the person that really kind of got the credit for bringing it to the mayor's attention. Uh, and then the rest, as they say, is history. So and then they mm-hmm. started building the field 1930, uh, which I knew that prior to seeing you guys. But kind of interesting that they were talking about a 20,000 seat facility. Um, and it would have, like I said, it would have been a different location. If it's at a different location, it's not at the falls. If it's not at the falls, it's not going to be in a national park. So right. while it would have been great to have a 20,000 seat facility. It would have been maybe a lot sooner and then maybe would have been gone much sooner. Right, too. right, so, right. Like Roosevelt Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, unfortunately, not with us anymore. Right. And one last question from me before before we let you go. Sure. Uh, educate our, our, our listeners of who Hinchcliffe was. I mean, the stadium named after him. Uh, sure. So who was Hinchcliffe? So it's interesting. Um, so you got to look at Hinchcliffe as a family name. Uh, so the mayor at the time, as I mentioned earlier, his, his name is John V. Hinchcliffe. So he was very much a proponent of, of having a stadium built in Patterson. And, and he worked through that, you know, 
with, I guess, the alderman at the time. But at the end of the day, uh, when when it was named for him, uh, it was others that made that suggestion. And it was the mayor at that time who said that it wasn't for him, but it was to honor his uncle, also named John Hinchliffe, who was mayor at, in Patterson uh, during the Great Fire and the Great Floods, uh, 1902-1903, in that time period. I think there's a bit of humility there by this current by by, by that mayor at that time, and so you know it's really about the family name. And of course, the Hinchliffe family, uh, they were actually very big in the beer business. The Hinchliffe Brewery was a very big, wealthy establishment uh, in town. Uh, so there's also you know the family name of the Hinchliffe Brewery. That's a part of that. So it does kind of touch upon at least two or three different possibilities. But and I have, I have one more. And sure. uh, <laughs> any and I hope this is not the case. But any chance they're going to like kind of sell the rights to naming the stadium and name it like something at Hinchcliffe Stadium or like they did here in in at, at Jones sure. Beach? It, it's it was uh, I don't know Kenneth Cole at Jones Beach sure. Reno or something. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, you know, when you talk about a historic facility like this. Revenue, as I mentioned earlier, is very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, it could be something along those lines, uh, but I have not heard one way or the other. I mean, it could be also a situation where it's um, like Hinchliffe Stadium presented by, you know, fill in the right. blank, right? right? Which I think might be a little more palatable, right? As opposed to such and such feel that Hinchliffe Stadium, which might mm-hmm. not kind of roll off the tongue too well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might rename it. Larry Doby Field at Hinchliffe Stadium, which is possible, but mm-hmm. that would be really kind of dedicating the field name. Right. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, if they get a corporate sponsor, it's, it's, I mean, technically, right? Wrigley Field <laughs> uh, yeah. was a corporate sponsor. Sure. I'm sure, you know, the Wrigley brand uh, is not paying any money <laughs> for that <laughs> these days because um, they don't really have to. But that was kind of like your, your original, you know, product placement. Yeah. Well, Actually, Brian, the reason Jeff is asking, mm-hmm. and we, we should really not reveal this, but is we were thinking that maybe we would, you know, it would be baseball and BBQ at Hinchliffe or Hinchliffe. Yeah. You know, we sure we wanted to pony up the shekels yeah. and do the yeah. you know, the sponsorship. So, well, right. what's uh, what's what's the what's the price? What, what's the offer? We're, very little shekels. That's for sure. We're, we're in negotiations. OK, <laughs> well, let me know how that works for you. you know, maybe, maybe they'll let you have a flagpole. <laughs> you're, you're wave a baseball and barbecue uh, flagpole. <laughs> the uh, the article in the post said something interesting that I didn't realize says organized baseball in Patterson dates back as far as 1855. Multiple semi-pro and minor league teams called the city home, including the Patterson Silk Weavers, which featured Honus Wagner in 1896 to 97. Correct. Yeah. So that ball club uh, was an interesting ball club. They didn't technically play in Patterson. They played in what is Clifton, actually. But Clifton was not incorporated until uh, 1917. So, so what they they were Patterson by name, but didn't play in Patterson, which is fine. It's kind of what you see in sports every day, uh, like with the, the pro teams here uh, in the New mm-hmm. York area. So, uh, yeah, 1896, 1897, Honus Wagner's on that team. The manager of that team, meaning like not only the field manager, but I think he was also the general manager. He was the gentleman who pretty much turned Babe Ruth 
from a pitcher to an outfielder, and that's Ed Barrow. He's in baseball's Hall of Fame, and he's a big-time Yankee executive uh, after his time in Patterson with the Silk Weavers. But in 1896, Patterson won the Atlantic League Championship, and they won the Sobe Cup. And in fact, the Sobe Cup and uh, Wagner's Patterson uniform is at Baseball's Hall of Fame. And Brian, we have to include some barbecue talk in this. So every region of the country is known for their different styles of barbecue. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, Patterson, as I say this tongue in cheek, Mm -hmm. what, what would you say, what style of barbecue is Patterson known for? Well, that's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I would say, you know, you could kind of look at um, what's done like in, in the Latino community, you know, some really good barbecues being done, you know, with 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 their their special spices and seasoning. So I think you have a lot of of that, you know, opportunities uh, going on. You have some of your, your traditional barbecue that that you would have, you know, anywhere like in the New York metropolitan area. But, uh, you know, Patterson's got a great, is a great place for food without a doubt. So not only barbecue, but there's some great Italian food and Mexican food. But uh, yeah, for barbecue, you know, there's definitely some places for sure. No, maybe no, we'll just... play a concession stand in, in Hinchcliffe Stadium. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you know, Jeff, Brian is unfazed. You can ask him any freaking question and he is going to give you. I mean, I'm asking him, but like Patterson, what the region of the country, Patterson barbecue. And he's straight faced, just answers the question as well as anyone could answer it. Brian, you are unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, I I was I I wasn't sure if you're going to ask a barbecue question. The last two times I got zero. So I'm like, I'm trying to prepare myself a little bit for it. You know, I even looked up places that might be available. I mean, you know, one place I would go to is in Nutley, but that's not in Patterson. But oh, give us the name. Uh, It's Jim Dandies. Jim Dandies. Jim Dandies is definitely a great barbecue place uh, in the area. Nice. When you go to Jim Dandy's, what do you like to eat? Uh, their ribs are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pulled chicken is really good as well. You know, they've got a great variety, though. Yeah, All right. Yeah, we'll have to try there. We'll go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll go, let's go to a front. We'll go to a Jackals game and we'll go to a barbecue. Yeah, you know, I'll do it. I know okay. you will. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one, I'm, I'm gonna, I lied before. So one last thing before we go. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, the New York Jets and the New York <laughs> Giants play in, in New Jersey. Back in when Hinchcliffe Stadium opened in 1932, it hosted the New York Black Yankees, the New York Cubans. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, why were they allowed to keep those names? I mean, if they're playing in, I mean, Patterson is, not close to New York. I mean, it's not far, but it's not that close. Yeah, it's, it's not like a, 15 miles yeah. or so, 15, 18 miles, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, New York is New York. I mean, yeah. you know, we live in the New York metropolitan area. You know, I think for many of us here, like, you know, you know, everybody loves New York. We do out here, at least and a lot of us do. It's just, you know, a lot of it has to do with branding, you know, and mm-hmm. You know, in fact, the New York Black Yankees and the New York Cubans did play in New York City, you know, and and when it comes to like a Negro League ball club, you know, you're not going to really change your name to anything like that. I mean, of course, the Newark Eagles were the Newark Eagles, right? They weren't the New Jersey Eagles. Um, So, you know, I think it depends on on your locale and Mm -hmm. and kind of what works for you. But back then they weren't even thinking about marketing, right? Um, They didn't have like a whole lot you can purchase, I think, when you would go to a Negro Leagues game. So that's kind of another interesting thing about just how times have changed about like the merchandising and the marketing of ball clubs. Yep. Well, we are so happy that Hinchcliffe stadium is coming back to life Yeah, absolutely. and we'll be hosting baseball and other events. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Please, before we go, tell us any websites we should check out. What 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 they people should learn more about Hinchcliffe Stadium? Yeah, sure. If you would like to learn more about Hinchcliffe Stadium, very easy. Go to HinchcliffeStadium.com. And there's just a great history there, not only about baseball, but about the football. We have a, a little area, um, this date in, in history. So, you know, as we get into the winter months, we're not going to have that many Hinchliffe Stadium-based events, but we'll find some information that kind of touches on Hinchliffe Stadium, maybe through the Negro Leagues and maybe even some like off-season signings by the ball club. So, yeah, it's just a fun uh, website for information and, and our contact information is there, too, if you'd want to say hello. You know, Brian. We, we know, obviously, it takes a village, and it wasn't just you, but you know what? Congratulations on a job well done. I appreciate we, that. We just, we think you're awesome. and, and yeah, That's you, very kind of you. You now, did, You Brian. said it takes a village. That, does that make me the village idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I am a glutton for punishment, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, you did it. Larry Doby did it because without his legacy, yes. I didn't get to do it. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's so nice that a piece of history is being restored. It's going to be a beautiful stadium. Jeff and I cannot wait to get out there and just enjoy it now rebuilt, you know, revamped, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be an amazing experience. Well, you know, you got to talk to Reed and then get yourself a live podcast for that day. Y- yes. There you go. <laughs> live from Hinchliffe Stadium. Live from yeah. Hinchliffe Stadium. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a nice ring. A barbecue eating contest. I mean, <laughs> you know, get Jack the Jackal involved. It'll be great. <laughs> Is that the mascot of the Jackals? Yeah, Jack's great. What Jack the, the Jackal? Sports? Jack the Jackal. Jack the Jackal. Jack the Jackal. He's the best. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hands down. Thank you, Brian, for being with us. This was a, a, a great spot. Great. Let's uh, do this again and love to see you over at the ballpark. Okay. Thank, thank you, you, Brian. Well, thank you, Brian. That was, he, know, he knows everything about Hinchcliffe Stadium. And there, there's so much to know. The history of that place is unbelievable. So, yeah, Brian, we thank you. We look forward to the next time you come back with us. And I want to tell everybody that we are brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. But Jeff, you know what that means when I say that? Yep. We're not starting. No. We're ending. And we're going to end with our song called Baseball Always Brings You Home by the poet Shel Kirkowski, the musician Dave Dresser. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back for episode number 162. See ya.